started a series that most of you are aware of last week. We called Principles of Prosperity. And, uh, you know, last week we talked about God's view of prosperity and how God's desire is that we prosper in every area of our life, but he wants it balanced. He wants, he wants us to understand that money has its proper place. And uh, we shouldn't, our life is more than just earning a living uh, to just simply pay for the day-to-day expenses we have throughout life. Life is more than that. And we talked about how a lot of the world, that's all it's about. It's about uh, usually the running uh, joke would be, uh, you know, work real hard Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, and then go party. In other words, Friday's off, and what do they do? They go get themselves dead drunk, go do some stupid stuff, and they're kissing the toilet bowl all day Sunday, and they start the whole process all over Monday. And that is literally their life. And believe it or not, more Christians than you'd like to care to admit are doing the exact same thing. Life is more than that. Life is more than just going through the grind of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, looking for the weekend, and then starting it all over again. God is far more than that for us. The Word of God promises that if we will put God and His Word first place and give God that authority in our lives, that all the things that we need in life, even the things that we desire, will be added to us. We won't have to spend our life pursuing them. And you're going to see that tonight. I promise. If you, if you will pay close attention, you will see exactly what I'm talking about. That the things that you do desire in life, even the things that don't matter, okay, and material things other than our basic needs, um, are, they're important, but how many know there's a lot of things in life that you have that aren't really that important? You just like them, right? And is it okay to have nice things that you just like because you like them? Absolutely. And you're going to see tonight as we go through this that God wants you to have those things, but he doesn't want you pursuing them. He doesn't want you to make a God out of them. He doesn't want you to, he understands this balance. He understands, listen, he wants you to have a successful marriage. He wants you to have success with your children and grandchildren. He wants you to have success in whatever God's called you to do in career and so on and so forth. He wants you to be physically healthy. He wants all of it and he wants an overflowing abundance in your life. He wants to not only have all your needs met, but he wants you to be able to have an abundance. Why? So that you can give into every good work, so that you can be a blessing, so that you can enjoy life. Can you believe that? That God wants us to enjoy life. Everybody say it with me. Enjoy life. You know, I remember hearing things from my parents sometimes, and and they'd say, you don't want to grow up and be an adult. It really stinks. Why? Life is all about work. It's all about this, all about that. Now, don't get me wrong. They didn't know the Lord, okay? But there are some people that really think that God uh, keeps us here to keep us unhappy, you know, to, to keep us in a position to where you're just supposed to make it through life. That is not God's intention. You should be enjoying life. See, I'm enjoying life. Amen. I'm on my way to better. Amen. Amen. On our way to better. Praise God. So let's jump into this today. What we're going to talk about, as you probably already seen, we're going to talk about honoring God with the tithe, honoring God with the tithe. And I believe that if you pay close attention, take notes, 
and even listen to it a couple more times and look up the scriptures, even when you're out of here, you will grow in your understanding of God's word and it will help you. Where does faith come from? By hearing and hearing the word. Amen. And faith is how we please the Lord as we walk in it. So the natural question is this, okay? And you, believe it or not, could ask some Christians that have been quote-unquote tithing all their life, okay? You could ask them the simple question, what is the tithe? (laughs) What is the tithe? Well, according to the Bible, the word tithe literally means one-tenth or ten percent. That's literally what the word tithe means. No other big meaning behind it no big hidden agenda it means literally one-tenth or ten percent one of the most popular scriptures you find in the bible on tithing is malachi three ten, and that's where god promises that those who would prove him by tithing would receive such great blessings that um, they couldn't contain them in other words it'd be like a floodgate open so to speak and you just could not contain the blessing. That doesn't necessarily mean all at one time. It's this overflow running you down type thing. But I've observed in my life that there is this overflowing blessing. It's always present in my life. It's always there. Okay, And I believe that anybody here, if you've been tithing in faith, for, for especially for several years, you'll sense that in your life. You sense that no matter how hard things get, no matter what difficulty, difficulty I go through, I always seem to make it. I always seem to come over on the other side. And I'm always getting better. I'm always growing. I'm always increasing. That's the way it should be. We can see the principle of tithing all the way back at the beginning in the Garden of Eden. You have God who told Adam, Adam, you can have everything in the Garden of Eden. Now think about that. God made this lush, beautiful place with all these things in it. And uh, he said, Adam, you can have it all. But there's one tree that's mine, Adam. And that's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now essentially, what we see there is the principle of tithing. We see that God said, Adam, you can have it all. Everything is yours. But this one tree, I'm asking you, Adam, this one tree, I want you to respect my wishes and I want you to leave it alone. That is God's and God's alone. Say it with me. It's God's and God's alone. Now what we see here is this. The tithe belongs to the Lord and is holy holy to the Lord. The tithe belongs to the Lord and is holy to the Lord. It is important to the Lord. And see, this is something that we need to see. How many believe if God is our creator, he should have some say in our life? (laughs) How many would agree? He is, sometimes people want to argue about this and that, but the fact is, if he's the one creating us and he decided this is how he wants things to be, then I believe that we ought to give it due consideration and honor. Amen? He could have said, no, no, no. I want 90% and you're going to keep 10%. But he didn't do that, did he? God's a generous God. He makes everything, gives us talents and abilities, structures our life, blesses our life, and all he asks for, what? Is that you'd honor him with 10%. Of all the increase that you got from who? From him. You couldn't tie your shoes without his help. You say, I could too. 
How many of you guys have a well-developed brain? Thank you, Jesus. Are there people in this life that do not have a well-developed brain? Right? There are people that literally, a lifelong challenge would be to tie their shoes on their own. Bless God, everybody hold your hands up like that. All right? you got two of them. Praise God. You say, I don't know what I could do with my life. I can think of a lot of things. <laughs> I mean, you can walk. You can think. Amen? Now, beyond that, God has blessed you guys with talents and abilities. Now, some we have wasted and some we haven't. But bless God, that's where we're going. Amen? We're not saying, I'm not wasting anything. <laughs> Amen. Now, what we see here is a principle honoring the Lord. Honoring the Lord. We can also see the principle of tithing with Cain and Abel. Again, right back in the beginning of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 4, we read where a time came when both young men should honor God with what blessed them with. You might remember that Cain and Abel both had different responsibilities. They were both kind of, I guess, uh, farmers, but one took care of animals and the other had, did vegetation and such. And so there came a time, though, that they were to bring before the Lord the first and the best of whatever their crops were, whatever they were doing. Now, apparently, we see that they were taught this, right? They had to learn it from somewhere. In Genesis chapter 4, verses 3 through 5, look it with me. And in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock and of their fat. Do you notice the difference here? One of them just grabbed something and just took it. The other one put thought and effort into it. And the Lord respected Abel in his offering, but he did not respect Cain in his offering. Another way to illustrate this would be if um, I were to give Cindy a gift. It's her birthday, okay? And I get invited to a birthday party. I'm not dropping any hints, okay? But let's say he's going to pull a surprise thing on Cindy and he invites Lisa and I. And so we go to the party and what we do is Lisa and I kind of get some ideas of what Cindy might like. And so we put some things together, kind of stop by, you know, Walmart on the way out there and maybe pick up a few things. And I mean, we've got to have a card. Everybody's got to go get a card. So we grab that card. Lisa just bleh, throws something on there. We throw that thing together. And then I, I give it to Cindy. Oh, here you are, Cindy. Happy birthday. I had to do this because this is what you're supposed to do in a birthday. So we hope you enjoy it. Now, if I didn't have to spend that money on that, Cindy, I really, I got other things I could do, but I hope you enjoyed. Just, you know, here you are. Now, how many of you know that's a sucky gift, right? Is it the gift that's the issue or the attitude and heart behind the gift, right? Now, how do you think God feels when we just give him what's left over? He gave us everything he gave us. Think about it. And we just throw something at him. Like, you know, here you are, Lord. Here you are. You know, here's a little bit of sprinkling. It's like my dog, you know. I give her a biscuit all the time, you know. It's like throwing God a biscuit. Hope it makes you happy. Makes my dog happy. Hope it makes him happy. See, our attitude and our heart have a lot to do with what we do. And if our attitude and heart is in it, 
and I want to be a blessing to Cindy, what do I do? Well, I start tracking Jack here down and say, Jack, come on, you got to find out what she wants and make it good and let me know. And Lisa and I do whatever it takes to make that gift come to pass. We didn't just throw it the last minute. We're excited to give it. And we really hope you enjoy this gift. Now, does that not express something different, right? If my attitude and heart's in it, then that gift is important. In other words, what's important to Cindy is, is, is important to me. You understand that? The Bible says that God did not respect Cain's, but he respected Abel. What does that mean? Well, he was esteeming. He was valuing. See, can God read our hearts? Right? We can't snow God. No matter what we do, he can see our heart. And you can see here that Cain didn't have that heart and attitude of reverence and honor, and then saw it through. But Abel did. Abel got the first and the best. He was excited to give this to the Lord, and he wanted to give the Lord only the best. Why? Because he, he desired that. It was in his heart. It's very, very important. Apparently, Adam and Eve had taught their children to honor God with the first and best. If you're taking notes, you ought to write that down. First and best. First and best. Abel did bring the first and best to the Lord. However, Cain did not. I know I just told you to write it down, but I got a reason for that. I want you to get it in your heart and mind. First and best. First and best. First and best. Let's give you a scripture that that goes along with that. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 in the New Living says, Honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with grain and your vats will overflow with good wine. We see a principle here, guys. The principle is this. It's so simple. And I'm going to say it in as plain English as I can. You ready? Honor God with your stuff. Honor God with your stuff. Everybody say it with me. Honor God with your stuff. It's that simple. Just honor God with your stuff. Now, the dictionary defines the word honor to mean highly respect and highly esteem. Now, in this verse, what are we talking about? We're talking about material possessions, right? Giving material possessions to the Lord. We honor God by giving Him the first and the best, not the least or what's left over. We honor God by giving him the first and the best. The first and the best. Everybody say it again, the first and the best. But a lot of times people think, well, you know, God knows my heart and they do whatever they want to do. If God knows your heart and your heart's into it, is your heart just going to throw a dog biscuit at him? Just some little thing to satisfy the moment. After all, I don't want to be the only one not giving. I want to stick something in here. You see, what does that say about your attitude? Or if your attitude is all about being seen, being witnessed. I'm about to give the Lord a large offering and I want everybody to see it. Where's your attitude there? It's not about the Lord. Who is it about? It's about my triumphant entry into giving the Lord an offering. It's about look at me, pay attention to me. And see, we need to understand that giving to God is about an action from our heart. 
It is about doing it, but it is about doing it with the right heart and the right attitude. Seeking God first is honoring God. Remember, we looked at Matthew 6.33 last week. Seeking God first is honoring God, putting Him first. This means that you're putting God before yourself and all other things. And see, this is, this is where baby Christians have a problem with this. Think about a baby, okay? What does a baby want? I want, I want. You never see a two-year-old saying, Mother, Father, I would like to meet your needs and buy you a wonderful present. What may I bless you with? Now, that's an absolute absurd thing out of a two-year-old. What's a two-year-old thinking? I want this, I want that. Give me, give me, give me. And don't ever take anything away from me. Right? That's a baby right? See, when you grow into adulthood or maturity, what changes in the natural? You find out life isn't all about you. Guess what? The world doesn't orbit around you. But at two years old, the orbit, the world orbits around you. I'm just here for everybody to meet my needs (laughs) and give me stuff and take care of me, right? But see, you're supposed to grow out of that, aren't you? You're supposed to mature. Well, as a believer, you're supposed to mature to realize the world is not here to serve you. What did, in fact, what did Jesus say? Who was worthy of being served, by the way? What did he say? I, I didn't come into the world to be served. I came to serve. That is a strong, powerful message for us. Why are we here? Why are we here on this earth? Why did God create us? He didn't create us just to think about what we need and have that come to our life our life is more than that we're here to serve first of all serve him and how do we serve god we serve god through serving others you can't serve god directly but you serve him indirectly remember jesus said when you've done it to one of the least of these my brethren you've done it to me so how do i serve jesus by serving you Right? I've told you this before. How do I take Jesus out to lunch? I say, Philip, hey, I'd like to take you out to lunch. And I take Philip out to lunch. I took Jesus out to lunch. So all you got to do to take Jesus out to lunch is invite someone to go out to lunch with you and do it in the name of the Lord. What does that mean? That means you don't take him out to lunch and say, so what are you buying us? (laughs) Believe it or not, (laughs) believe it or not, I've met people that way invited me to lunch and then was waiting for me to pay the bill oh i don't have any money i just invited you what kind of thinking is that i have never invited anybody anywhere without the intention of purchasing it you know and there are some i have to fight for i mean there are many of you if that went out you would fight me over that thing why because we all want to be the giver we always we all want to be a blessing that's a good problem amen got all these christians fighting over who's going to take the bill Several times Larry and I have gone out, I have to sneak the bill from him. I literally have, he's turning <laughs> the bill and hide it from him, because, or I'll tell the, don't tell him, you know, because he will always pay, always want to be a blessing. Well, praise God for that. We have the ability to do that. Amen. I'm telling you what, guys, I remember a day when I didn't, I, I remember a day when I didn't have that, but praise God, I'm poor no more, Ken. Amen. But I ain't bragging on myself. God is my source. Is God your source? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, here's the deal. 
We're talking about seeking God first is honoring God. Or what I mean is putting God before you. Okay, But you have to put that in day-to-day terms. You have to put that, how does that interpret into my life? Guess what? It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you time. It's going to cost you uh, finances. It's going to cost you words. Sometimes you just need to shut up. I mean, it's going to cost you things in life. It's going to cost you to honor God first. But there's a beautiful thing we're going to see in a moment. Let me give you another expression of this. And we could look at, and there's another area in the Word of God we might look at. Let me give you an example. And, and, and we'll go in the Word of God in the Old Testament, and we will actually look at this probably as one of our principles. But this is a principle I want you to see. If the house of God needs something, you take care of it before your own home's needs. See, that is honoring God with what's important to God. You see? In other words, that's why it's so important that we get involved in what's happening around here. Because we're involved in what's important to Him. How many believe that, that God doesn't... You know, if the streets of heaven are made out of gold, and I'm not talking about, you know, faux gold or painted gold. I'm talking about gold so clear you could probably see through it. If God thinks the way he does, shouldn't his church in the earth reflect it? Or should it be poor mouth? See, a lot of Christians were taught that, um, like about the preacher, and you guys aren't this way, you guys are a big blessing, okay? But, but I'm just trying to do this attitude thing about how we see things, that Lord, um, you keep them humble and we'll keep them poor. And, and that, that is... That is may not be words they're actually saying, but that is their intention. And you might say, no way. There is all kinds of board-controlled churches out here that will manipulate the finances in the church just so the pastor can't be blessed. That is sick and twisted, isn't it? How many would agree? That's not God. God wants us to be blessed. But my point is this. All of it comes back to the way they're thinking. Why do they think that way? Well, think about these people that give a vow of poverty and go, go be a monk or, or uh, something along those lines. And they, they take a vow of poverty. That's just stupid. And I would tell them to their face, how are you going to preach the gospel if you take a vow of poverty? Well, I'm going to go ahead and hide myself way off in the hills. And I'm going to live in kind of like a cave dwelling. And I'm barely going to eat. Barely going to survive. Oh, and I'm not going to talk with anybody either. So we're going to do a few things, but we're going to hide. Now, is that supporting the gospel? Is that what Jesus said in the Great Commission? But see, how did we get there in this thinking? And them thinking they're really following the Lord. Because the devil is input into the church that we're not supposed to be financially well off we're not supposed to have more than enough we're not that that's living like the devil that's living in sin who said who said i mean jesus didn't go around poor mouthing it in fact he had the robe he wore was so fine and so cost so much remember the soldiers fought over it you don't fight over some beggar none of you guys are going under bridge 
and trying to take clothes off a guy sleeping there because they're that valuable. <laughs> You're not asking a beggar for his clothes, but he had clothes that are so well off, so nice, that they were worth money. And so even in pieces it would be worth money. Think about that for a minute. Jesus was not poor. He was not broke. The disciples said, he said, I want to feed them. And there was thousands and thousands of them. I want to feed them. And they're like, listen, uh, Jesus, um, there's no Safeways nearby here. There's no Sonics. There's no McDonald's. Where are we going to get the food from? Notice money wasn't discussed. Was the money there to feed all of them? Yes. The problem is there wasn't any stores. They didn't have a you know, Walmart in every corner like we have. And so they're like, well, where are we going to get it? Even, you know, the money's not the issue. Listen, if money was an issue, let me ask you this. Um, Philip, do you have your own treasurer? Accountant. You mean you don't have a personal accountant? Jack, surely you do. I mean, he, he probably lives on your property, right? Where the castle is down the road. Gary, Marie, do you guys have a personal accountant, treasurer? Do you? But Jesus did. His ministry had, we're not a big ministry, huge ministry, but we do have more than enough finances to cover everything we got to do. You've witnessed it and see it, but we don't have an accountant. Guess who? (laughs) You know? I mean, what I'm trying to say is he had a staff accountant. That was full-time with him all the time. There was that much money coming in. And not only that, he was dipping his hand, the Bible says, into the fun, and no one even noticed. So he's getting into the money. Now, guess what? To notice someone's get not get. I mean, to notice that someone's getting into the money, but you're never noticing the amount, there has to be what? A lot of cash flow. There has to be a lot of cash flow to notice no, you know, no one's getting into it. Even the day Judas turned over Jesus, remember, at the Last Supper? And everybody thought <laughs> Judas went to what? To go ahead and bring, you know, to sell Jesus out. But everybody thought that he was, oh, he's just going ahead and giving some more money to the poor. That's what they thought. It was a routine thing for him to leave to go pay some things. And while he was taking care of the poor, a little bit for me, you know, and then he would go and do his thing. And it was still more than enough. What I'm saying is we got to change our thinking. Jesus was not broke. He was not broke. When the Bible says, well, what about the time? Well, well, remember when the guy wanted to follow him and he said, the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Yes, there was not a motel six on every corner. Remember the times they were living in. If there was a hotel, do you think Jesus would have preferred a rock under his head or a hotel? I guarantee you the disciples were going to the hotel. But there wasn't anything around. And so this is what I'm left with. And he just wanted to make sure, listen, if you follow me, you might spend a couple nights on the, on the ground here because there, are, there is no other place to go. We got to change our thinking, don't we? we? We have to see, even if we understand it, we need to meditate on it. Really see that Jesus had more than enough, and He wants us to have more than enough. But remember when I said, if the house of God needs something, you take care of it before your home's needs. 
Now, here's what I'm trying to say. Honoring God is literally putting God and the things of God first. Literally. Everybody say literally. Literally. And I'm not talking metaphorically. I'm not talking, oh yes, I do it in my heart. My heart. I put Lord for it. No, show it. Put your money where your mouth is. See, that's what God wants to tell half the church, the body of Christ. Shut up and put your money where your mouth is. And he told us that, listen, how do we... He, he said, where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be also. What is most important to you financially is really where your heart is. A lot of them, it's on a boat on the lake. A lot of them, it's this or it's that. But again, we put up or shut up, you know, so to speak. Let, let me put it another way. First Samuel 2.30 in your notes there. But now the Lord says, far be it from me. Now look at closely. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Notice that. Let's look at it again. For those who honor me, I will honor. So are we doing something here? Are we doing something? Is God doing something in reaction to what we are doing? Look closely. For those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Now, I want to help you here. The word despise in the Bible doesn't mean the same thing in our modern language. When we think of the word despise, we think of disgusted, uh, uh, disregarded, hated. It's, It's something that we don't want anything to do with. But In the Bible, the word despised means something that is regarded of low value or disregarding something, treating something uh, in a low way or low standard. In other words, placing minimal attention or lightly esteeming something. In the Bible, to despise something is to barely take notice of it, to disregard it. It's not important. Okay, is everybody getting with me on this? This is very important, okay? Because God said this, for those who will honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me, what does that mean? Those who disregard what I desire. Those who barely notice. Those who, who give it low esteem. It's, 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 they're not even paying attention to what he wants. What did he say? Will be what? treated the same way sounds like what you reap what you sow you reap what you sow but here's something so beautiful about this listen closely everybody say i'm listening because i really want you to hear this if you honor god god will honor you now i want you to think about who is god who is god think about it Who has all the resources in the universe? Who is the Almighty? Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, the Almighty said to you that if you will honor me, I will. Now, I don't have much to honor him with, do I? What what I got is piddly in comparison to what he can honor me with. But how many of you, how many of you would like to be honored by Bill Gates? be nice right let's say bill gates lost his wallet 
and you know he didn't have much in it maybe just some credit cards and stuff and you find him and you return it what do you think bill gates is going to do well a million might be a stretch he didn't want to ruin your life but he what i'm saying is he'll probably reward you quite handsomely right why he has a lot of power in his ability to what in fact he might even ask you he might not even give you, he might ask you, well, what do you like? What are you pursuing in life? And maybe you're a young person struggling through college. And he says, you know what I'm going to do? Because you were so honest and what you did and you treated what was important to me good, I'm going to pay all the rest of your college. And when you're done, you, you let me know and I'll put in a good word with you on Microsoft. Now, isn't that better than a couple thousand, 20,000? A whole lot better. Now think about that for a moment. Who is God? And he gave you this invitation, so to speak. If you will honor me, I will honor you. Now what does this mean? When you place what is important to God first in your life. Look at your notes. Everybody look at your notes. When you place what is important to God first in your life, In turn, what is important to you will become a priority with him. That is awesome. Look at that. When you place what is important to God first in your life, in turn, what is important to you will become a priority with him. And there's no greater one than him. No one. And his ability, and, and the thing is, you don't even have to tell him what you desire. <laughs> he already knows what you desire. And if we will, do, <laughs> I'm telling you guys, if we will put what's important to him. Now, how do I know what's important to God? It's right here. What is important to him? What is important? Now, we're talking about the tithe here, right? Specifically, okay? Is the tithe important to him? Well, didn't we read the tithe belongs to him and is holy to the Lord? Is the tithe something that we should just disregard? Because what is it to the Lord? It's important to him. It is important to him. And if I will treat and will do what is important to him, he's saying, what is important to you, son, I will make a priority in, my, in your life. I will do some wonderful things in your life. I'm telling you guys, that is powerful. Now, the same goes for not honoring the Lord, doesn't it? If we disregard, if we devalue, if we just, ah, that isn't that big of a deal. What does the word say? God will do the same thing in our life. Now, how many believe God's a fair God? Is he absolutely fair? So, is it right for him to bless those who don't do what's important to him? Would that be fair? Think about it. It's not fair, is it? See, we got this idea, well, God's a good God and he'll just bless me no matter what I do. But that's not what that scripture says. Now, will, will God meet your needs? absolutely he will meet your basic needs he is your daddy and he signed up for it you're adopted into his family and he will take full responsibility for you but how many you know if you have let's say you have three children and let's say they're 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 triplets make them even okay 
All right? So we have uh, Bobby and uh, Gary, and we have Tom. All right? They're all the same age. They look exactly alike. But one of them always honors what you said. Always does it the first time and does many things without even being asked because they know that's what you want. And then the other one, always the middle one, he, he right off the bat doesn't necessarily do what you want to do, but he eventually comes around. And then the last one doesn't pay attention to what you say on any level. Just whatever, yeah, 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 you know. Now, let me ask you this. Do you love them all the same? Will you meet all their basic needs? You're not going to starve one of them, are you? I'm asking a question. You're going to feed them, right? You're going to clothe them. But which one are you going to be generous with? Which one that you enjoy that one? See, the other two, you love them, and you're going to do your best with them. But this one... This one is just like outstanding. And so what happens? Well, they honored me. I'm going to make sure and honor them. Think about that with the Lord. You see, is it possible for some Christians to be blessed more than others? Absolutely. But is it because God favors some more than others? No. It's because they honored Him more than others. And He what? He always, always, always follows His Word. He's bound by His Word. And He gave us His Word. Can you see what a great blessing this is? If I will honor Him and do what is important to Him, is going to church important to Him? Is reading His Word important to Him? Is meditating on the Word important to Him? Is walking in love important to Him? Is tithing important to Him? All these things are, as we find in the Word of God, they're important, and we act and do them and have our heart right. I want to do this. I love you, Lord. And I do it out of respect and honor for Him and His Word. He is bound by His Word to what? Make what is in my heart a reality. He wants, He's looking at me saying, the things that you enjoy, the things that are a priority with you, I want to bring to pass. I want to bless you. I want to help you. Can you see why you don't have to chase after things? If you'll just put God first. But putting God first is more than words. It's actions. It's it's showing it. It's doing it. Amen? Too many times we think, well, God knows my heart. Don't judge me. I don't have to judge you. All I got to do is be a fruit inspector. And Jesus told me I could do that. And what i got to do is I just look at the fruit in your life, and I can tell where you're at. How do I know somebody's excited about going to church and they're faithful to it? I see them. Somebody says, I love the Lord with all my heart, but they're never here. That's a little questionable. God called them here, brought them here, they call me pastor, but, you know, or what if they were here for five years and they just tithe sporadically, they just do whatever they want, you know, and this God is my God, I mean, he, 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 I trust him, I love him, I honor his word, well, you may in this area, but you're not doing a very good job in this area, you know what I'm saying, in other words, love 
is more than words. It is expressed through action in our life. And too many Christians are focused on, well, it's just my heart. (laughs) Yes, my heart is here, and it needs to be expressed in my actions. That's how you really know where someone's at. Amen. That's how you know where you're at. You know what we really have got into tonight that I'm really excited about? We got into the heart of tithing. It's more than just the act of, of I did it, I, I wrote on the envelope, I filled out a check, and da, da, da. It is about your heart. Haven't you seen that? It's about honoring God. It's more than just, and this is something you apply in every arena of life, not just in this area, but people too many times think they're paying off God when they tithe. I don't want any curses. Like God's part of the mafia, and we're paying them off. You know, so we won't do any bad things to us. And you guys laugh, but I've heard people in this church tell me that. Or that I'm going to pay my tithes. I don't like the word pay my tithes. I like the word honor God with my tithes. See, I, I'm not paying him off like, <laughs> you know, he's my bookie. And, you know, I got to pay him off. Or I got to, you know, he's a loan shark, so to speak. I mean, I look at, I want to. You see the difference? And I really do. And I remember the first time I started, oh, dear Lord. I'm like, are you sure you said all the tithe? <laughs> I'm looking at my Bible, and I'm serious. I mean, I'm sitting there, all the tithe. Dear Lord. Now, I, mean, I was broker and broke back then when I started. I mean, and I'm thinking, man, that is a lot of money to me right now. And I was a, a very young man, and I'm looking at this thing, all. Oh. And then I remember this, if you want to turn here with me. Real quickly, Malachi chapter 3, this is what what really hit me. The Lord did something for me. And I remember this when it came to, uh, I was believing God for money to go on the first mission trip I went on. And uh, Malachi chapter 3, and I was reading my Bible, believing God for this money, for this mission trip, that might as well have been a million dollars. I think it was only like 900, but it might as well have been a million to me. It wouldn't have made any difference. And this is what I read, verse 10, Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. I'm sitting there reading my Bible, okay? And the Lord led me to this, and the word bring all was like, like this big right out of my Bible. It's just like, I'm reading along and bring all, you know, and I'm like, okay, I get it, Lord. Bring all the tithes, not some of the tithes, not part of the tithes. Bring what? All the tithes. See, I can't give them some (laughs) or I'm not tithing. Is that giving the first and the best if I give him some? That's not the first and the best. That's the the least and what was easy for me. (laughs) And see, is it supposed to cost me something when I give him something? See, it costs you something. It's part of you. It's letting go. It's realizing this, that God made me and gave me everything in my life. And all he asked for is for a small portion of it back, given to him with a heart of love and gratefulness. It wasn't that he was asking me of something I did because I couldn't have earned dirt without him, right? I couldn't, I couldn't take my next breath without his grace and his mercy. I mean, for all I know, I could have walked outside, whap, there is gone, ice cream truck, took Ken out. 
right? Any number of things. You know, I remember they used to have a show, A Thousand Ways to Die. That's sick and twisted. But the point is, is that there's zillions of ways you could die. And yet here we are still here. How many of you believe that the devil's tried to take you out many times? Many times. It's funny how he couldn't get away with it. You think somebody's watching out for you? Think somebody loves you? Set good angels around you, even in your ignorance? Amen. Thank God for the grace of God. Thank God for his mercy. And as I was reading this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. Now look what it says. That there may be food in my house. What does that mean? That means the church has got to operate. It's got bills to pay. It's got things to do. That there may be food. Back in the Old Testament, it was the priests and them that were receiving the tithes. And what was it for? To support them. How could they do all this ministry if they weren't allowed to work out another job? See, God's desire is that a pastor be a full-time minister. Why? He's not out partly in the world. But only, that can only happen if everybody, what? Honors the Lord and gives him that opportunity. Bring all the tithes into the stores. There'll be food in my house. Now look at what he says. Try me now in this or prove me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. Does God keep his word? See, if we honor him, he was saying, prove me. You know what, what he was really saying? I want to bless you so much more than you desire it, but I have to have that connection. There has to be that partnership. What's that partnership? That God offers all this, but we still have to do our part. See, we're partnering with him. We're partnering with him. Doesn't God want to do great things in this earth? Does he not want to reach people and, 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 and fulfill uh, the Great Commission? But he needs you and me to do it. He needs a partner in the earth to bless. And he wants to bless your socks off. Amen. He wants to just bless you until you've got so much you can't contain it. Now what can you do if you can't contain it? Give it away. You say, what if I give it away? Then I won't have it. No, there's more on the way. Amen? There's a place in the Bible that talks about that we'll have gold like dust. How many of you got a dust all the time? Right? You don't have to sit there and, and look for it. It will come to you, won't it? I mean, if it isn't one day, give it another day, but it'll be there. And the Bible says we'll have gold like dust. What does that mean? We'll always have it. God will supply our needs like dust. And trust me, there's sufficient dust. There's always dust. Amen? Amen. Say this with me. Say, the Lord, the Lord. is blessing me. I honor him, and he honors me.